And we are live and we are back. What episode is this? Oh, snap. Hold on, y'all. There we go. Now I got it. My bad. Always always technical difficulties. What's up, y'all? We're back. This is Wealth Wednesday, the second installation of Wealth Wednesdays. Again, on Wealth Wednesdays, straight to the point, straight financial information. I did want to say before I get started, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. I actually did have some cleanup stuff as I as I always do. So let me actually pull that up for you guys. Um, but for this episode, if you don't know, what are we going to discuss? You can see by the title, we are going to talk about the emergency fund. Now, before we get into the emergency fund, I did want to say make sure you like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, Corden in full effect. Make sure you follow Jordan at Stop Stalling J. That's S-T-O-P-S-T-A-L-L-I-N-G-J-A-Y. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And this business page is finally fit on Instagram and Instagram and Facebook business page, business website is finallyfit.live. Um, and then myself, you can follow me at sideline underscore Corey. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. All of our information will be in the show notes on YouTube. Okay. And now for, what did I name this thing? My bad, y'all. Always errors and clean up. Let me see. Yeah, there... I'm not going to do that just yet. There were some rumor reports on what the HSA update was going to be. Looks like it's going to be 3650 to 7300, but I'm going to go over that when the IRS officially drops those in um in October. Oh, what what did I want to say? Make sure make sure I shout out the YouTube subscribers and our podcast reviewers. Yes, I'm going to get that together and make sure I shout everybody out. All of our supporters who have been liking, sharing and subscribing for us. Okay? As I said, we're going to get straight to the point um on the Wealth Wednesday episodes. I do want to say this is going to be released Tomorrow is in August 24th. That's when the student loan information was going to, is supposed to drop. I was hoping it would drop today so I could do an episode, this episode on that. However, if information does drop on the student loans, I am going to just drop an episode whenever it does drop, if it drops in the next day or so. So you guys don't have to wait um, a week for that. So stay, stay tuned. Like I said, first things first, um, after you guys make sure you hit that like button, it's going to talk about the emergency fund. Okay, so first things first, what is an emergency fund? An emergency fund is just, it's not a savings. So sometimes people use the term savings as a place that you save money and it doesn't have um, a particular usage. So you can just have a general savings account, you know, when you open up your bank account, but it's not like it's for emergencies or it's for car maintenance or for vacation. It's just general savings account. An emergency fund is something that you're going to use for emergencies okay now the great thing about an emergency fund is that if you operate how i recommend over here where you eliminate all of your consumer debt so the only debt that you have is your mortgage if you have a house and then you also have your emergency fund you're going to have a lot of buffer or cash flow in your budget as far as what you can pay for out of your regular income from your nine to five or however you make your money without having to tap into your emergency fund. So the previous episode, for those of you who watched it, I did the budget in that episode. I'm gonna pull up the budget again just to go over the expenses on what you should consider to put in your emergency fund and what you shouldn't and how to define you know, when exactly to use it. But on the, pre- on the previous episode for the budget, I went over how you itemize things and you write things out and how you can use a budget to your advantage. Remember, your budget isn't restrictive. Your income is restrictive. But when you look at your budget, 
you have two things. You have your income or your, excuse me, you have your bills, which you can just view as your necessities and your debt payments. And then you have your entire budget or all of your expenses, which is going to be your necessities, your debt payments. And you're going to add in things like your investing in your lifestyle. Okay. So I'm going to share the screen now. I'm going to do this again. See, there's a share on here, y'all, for StreamYard, but then there's an invite. And it's like, sometimes I want to hit the share button to share the link with people. But that means that's not what that means. Regardless, though, okay, let me see if it's sharing. Yeah, boom. All right, there we go. Oh, forgot to zoom in for y'all. I forgot what I had on last time. I think 175. Okay, so you can see the section right here for those watching on YouTube. You can see the video. We have this your bill section. So this is going to be your necessities and your debt payments only here. So again, we went over the financial house the four walls plus the roof and the basement. So groceries, utilities, um, housing, transportation, clothing, and any insurance you're paying um, out of your net income or what you get deposited into your bank account. And then what we're talking about now is your savings rate for your emergency fund and any debt payments you have. But you can see for this example, we have $2,830. This example we had, I think it was a couple, they're making $5,000 just to show you guys the math. For this example, this person's necessities, right? The bare minimum they need a month is $2,830, okay? So when it comes to an emergency fund, the general recommendation is that you have anywhere from three to six months. There are some people on the conservative side who say you should even have six to 12 months saved. I don't recommend you have six to 12 months saved, or should I say more than six months? If you want to save seven to 12 months, and I'll get in this in a little while, that's when we're going to talk about, you know, where should you put your emergency fund as far as how liquid it should be. But for this example, we're going to talk about having three to six months of emergency fund saved. So you come here and you just take whatever your necessities are, right? In this case, it's $2,830. Multiply by three, right? It's $8,500. Then we multiply by six. It's going to be a little under $17,000. Okay. Then, oh, you guys can't see the calculator. That's why I was doing that last time. My bad, y'all. I know there was a reason I shared the whole screen and not just the tab so you guys can actually see the calculator when I put it up there. Boom. Now you guys can see the calculator. So real quick to show you the math, that 2,800 times three is a little under 850. And then that 2,830 20, times six is a little under $17,000. Okay. That's just if you have your necessities. If we scroll down here, right, and we do this person's or this couple's entire budget, they had about another thousand dollars they were spending between uh once they added their lifestyle in so multiply that times three is a, uh, a little under 11.5 then we multiply that times six it's a little under 2300 or 23,000 excuse me so this person's emergency fund would be anywhere between uh let's just call it ten thousand dollars right 8500 anywhere from ten thousand to twenty three thousand dollars so anywhere from ten thousand to twenty five thousand dollars for most of you that's where you're going to want your emergency fund dollar amount to be if you take the traditional route of the three to six months um, of expenses. And regardless, if you classify your expenses as just your necessities and your debt payments or you consider your entire budget. OK, now the next question is to share my screen. The next question is um, not only when to use your emergency fund, but um, how, how much should you have? So. For three months. Let's say you're a family in this situation. If you're going to operate on three months, you're going to need to have stable income in place. If you have, I'll say, let's say you're married and you have a kid, right? Family, because you just be married with no kid. But you're going to need to have stable income in if you're going to operate on the lower income spectrum. 
or excuse me, lower uh, emergency fund spectrum as far as months. If you're going to have six months, then that would be people who may not have steady income or they may fluctuate uh, as far as how much they get paid. They might they might get steady as far as, you know, they're always going to get paid, but how much they get paid each month or every two weeks, whatever is a different dollar amount. There are some people who are like actual contractors where let's say they just make, you know, for example, one hundred thousand dollars in a year. And that's what they make. But what they get paid every month varies completely. I remember working at the credit union, I had a, there was a situation like that where this lady, her husband did make a good amount of money, but that's what he made a good amount of money in the year. And as a contractor, when that contract, you know, he was doing work, but until that contract actually got fulfilled from a financial standpoint, he didn't get paid. And so, you know, he would essentially get back pay a lot of the couple of weeks or the months that he would miss. So that's how you generally want to look at it from a three to six month standpoint. If you're single, you can operate on something like three months because, the theory would be you have less expenses, quote unquote, and you're less people um, that you're responsible for. But three months for everyone is three months. So, again, three months would be if you're on the side of things where you have a steady income and your expenses are low. But definitely if you have a family and or you have unstable income, you want to be on the six month side of things. OK, now when to use your emergency fund. Most of the time, and I've already said this before, I wish I had a soundboard. Rarely are you actually going to need to use your emergency fund. When we, The reason I put the insurance part in the financial house for the roof or the fifth thing is so that you make sure you have the proper insurance in place before essentially you start getting out here in these streets and doing wild things like you do. A lot of the reason y'all struggling financially because you're underinsured and then you went out the country or something crazy like that and your insurance couldn't cover your medical bills. You should have stayed your ass in the house. Regardless, though, you want to make sure you have the proper insurance in place because your insurance is going to be really your first buffer as far as your emergency fund. If you're in a situation where you have great insurance and something happens to you, hopefully this insurance premium you've been, you've been kicking out all these months or even all these years, depending on how often you use your insurance, it should cover a lot of, if not all of the expenses, right? Everybody's deductibles are different with the health insurance and things like that. But you need to have the proper insurance in place to create that first initial buffer. Okay. Then, if there is a situation where you actually need to use your emergency fund, well, Corey, what is that? The main thing would be, obviously, right, if you have a medical issue, a significant one, you're going to have to kick that out. The great thing about medical expenses, even in the United States, they are high. Most of the time, you still get treatment, okay? Especially if you go to the emergency room, you're usually still going to get treatment. The question is, how much are you going to have to pay, okay? So if worst case scenario, you can just treat the medical bill like debt, and then you handle like the debt payoff method, which... um. I'm going to go over maybe not next, probably not next episode with the student loans, but probably um, following the student loan episodes. But medical situation, right? If you're in a situation, let's say you get in a car accident, right? If you get in a car accident and, you know, you're fine physically, your car might not be fine, but you're fine physically. And obviously, if it's, you know, another car involved, other person is fine physically, that's not an emergency. If you have a $500 deductible, you should not need to tap into your emergency fund for that. It's not an emergency especially now with Uber and Lyft, right? There are multiple ways for you to get around, but you shouldn't need to tap into your emergency fund for that $500. One, because it's not an emergency, right? And two, remember that cash flow I talk about, that sixth part of the financial house, that 20% you should have in um, leftover amount after you pay for just your necessities and debt payments. You should be able to cash flow those little things. And like, again, for me, when you're finishing off having that emergency fund in place, you shouldn't have any debt besides a mortgage, so you should be able, one, 
you own your car outright. So you'll be able to set your deductible to what you want it to be. So yes, you can increase your deductible. to let's say 1500, 2000, 2500 and lower your monthly premium. But then if you do get an accident, you have to kick out right that couple grand. However, you have more money back into your budget to help you cash flow some things. But let's say you even just keep it at the $500. Most of you, your, your $500 deductible, which, which is what it is if you have a loan on your car, your car, some, some of you, your car payment is more than your deductible for your car. So by paying off your car loan, you're going to be able to pay for your deductible, right? You shouldn't have to tap to your emergency money because you're already kicking it out every month with your car payment, okay? And then even um, the next one would be some type of major issue with your home, okay, that isn't covered by insurance. So let's say, again, the roof, right, insurance for the financial house. But if you need a new roof, right, and it's $20,000, your insurance should cover that. Now, one of the issue is insurance can take some time, right, because it's insurance. But from a net things, as far as financially, if your roof is $20,000, yes, you can pull from your emergency fund right away so you can get your roof, right, as soon as you can get it. But eventually, the insurance company is going to give you that $20,000 back. So technically, you didn't use your emergency fund. Obviously, if you have something like a hot water heater, go out or your AC, something like that, that may not be covered uh, with with your insurance, you should be able to cash flow that again, a couple hundred dollars, even if it's a thousand dollars, right? Even though hot water heaters are going to be a thousand dollars, but they're a couple hundred dollars. Actually, this is why. I, let me get, let me share my screen. Let me get, let me get back on the internet. Since everybody be think I'd be lying with some of the stuff I'd be saying. Hold on, let me share my window again. We're gonna see how much it is for a hot water heater, and like. Y'all gonna let me know. Gotta be careful sharing my screen. Y'all gonna see my searches. <laughs> That's how much is a hot water heater. Uh, oh, well, uh, wait, national average cost to replace. It says a 50 gallon hot water heater. What does 50 gallon mean? Now you guys can see I'm out of my expertise. We got 40 gallon. Here we go 850. Okay, yeah, my bad. I'm looking at it right now. I missed it. This is why you look at the first thing on Google. It says two hundred seventy nine hundred dollars, right? And the three one, yeah, for three to four people is three twenty to twenty two hundred. So on the higher side of things, you might be kicking out a couple of grand. But again, again, logically, if you have a house that has um, appliances that cost more money, hopefully you make that income right to compensate for that. There we go, covering myself. It can run you a couple of grand. Wait, tankless? Oh, well, we got a tank price and a tankless price. So I guess it all depends on what you got. Okay, but for most of you, it's not going to run you a, a couple racks to get your um to get your hot water heater in place. Now, something like some AC, AC, AC. If you need a new AC, yeah, that's going to cost you some money. But again, AC. If you need new AC right away, you can justify that as an emergency fund issue. If it's you know middle of July, August, like right right now. However, if you're in a situation where you have no debt, that might be something that you can cash flow right out your budget. If you again, if you have no debt and you add up your debt payments. That should be probably roughly enough right there to kick it out, okay? Now, the last and final thing. Again, like I told you, all these are going to be straight to the point. All right, after when, right, what is an emergency fund, right? Three to six months of expenses is where you're going to have money set aside for emergencies, when to use your fund, defined emergencies. Again, like I said, you're rarely going to truly need to use your emergency fund. Something like, you know, say your tires blow out. Either you have, you know, a savings account for your maintenance or you should already just be in the mindset, I'm going to need new tires, right? Car maintenance isn't an emergency, okay? Now, if your engine blows, that's different. That's a brand new car, right? But all the other maintenance, for the most part, is maintenance you're going to have to do at some point in time. It's not a shock that you need new tires at 70, 80,000 miles. Don't be like, oh, no, this emergency. No, 
you need to properly plan and do your budget right and lay out and understand lay out your finances understand things when when things are going to come up okay now the last thing is where should you save your emergency fund yeah for those of you listening if you just hear me vanish i had to take i had to drink some water okay where should you save your emergency fund now this one as time has gone on as i've seen more opinions on it um the normal train of thought and i wouldn't i guess you can call it conservative once i say the second train of thought but the normal train of thought is to put it in a high yield savings account or if you see hysa that stands for high yield savings account that's acronym for it high yield savings account usually offered um or a money market account the higher ones that you'll see are i wouldn't say usually but they'll be offered by um banks that aren't or financial institutions that don't have a brick don't have any brick and mortar so something like ally bank no sponsorship but something like ally bank where they don't have any physical locations so all of the costs for physical locations right they don't have to spend that money so in short they that money they're quote unquote saving they turn around and use that to provide higher interest rates than financial institutions that have brick and mortars okay right now i think i have ally i think my interest rate is they've been changing a lot the last couple of months or so i think it's about 1.4 i don't think it's at back at 1.5 yet but the interest rates are um subject to inflation so they are um they are able to change them so as inflation goes down uh your interest rate goes down and as inflation goes up your interest rate goes up okay <laughs> so uh when inflation was real down to the it was about 1.5 i think at the start of and midway through 2020 when I opened my account. And then as the months went on, it's kept going down and down and down as inflation continued to go up and up and up. Excuse me, as inflation continued to go down. And then once inflation started going up in this this year, they started raising interest rates. They might have did it sometimes, multiple times in a month. Okay. But just be wary that the interest rate that you see is subject to change unless you know they're advertising that it's not going to change. They're going to lock you into some 2% rate or something like that for a year, some you know, period of time. Um, the higher interest rates are usually going to be, I would say now above 2% as of August 23rd, 2022, the, you know, the time of this recording, they're definitely going to be above 2% if you're looking for it. But I would say it doesn't matter how much interest you're getting on your high yield savings account, whatever your emergency fund is. What you want to do is make sure it's as liquid as you need it to be. Okay, so if you need to be able to access your money right away, then you need to make sure it is that liquid. Okay, to where it's in a bank account that you, if you want, not that you should, but if you want to have debit card, right, checking, check writing privileges on it, you have something like that, online transfers, whatever, whatever your qualifications are, as far as you've been able to access your emergency fund, you need to make sure those boxes are checked off first versus trying to make sure you get the highest interest rate possible. As a word from the wise, the interest that you do earn from your savings account you are required to put that on your taxes um, for the your 1099, your the interest one. And speaking from personal experience, I forgot to put, I had like $15 and six cents and I forgot to put that on there. The IRS sent me um, a fee in the mail a couple of months later after I filed in 2020 for like $43 and 46 cents. So almost three times the amount, anything over $10 you're required to put on there. And that's total between, uh, I believe, all your accounts. So just be wary that if you do get out here, you know, something has a whole 1% extra, right? You're at risk if you get to put it on your taxes of paying three times 
relatively speaking, of what you earned in interest that previous year when you do file your taxes. So, and like I said, they did, they didn't, I paid 43 and 46 cents. Like they, I, I was charged a fee and interest, like a, like a loan. And I, I paid it back as soon as they let me know. I'm like, damn, how I got, how do I got to pay interest on something you just told me about it that I owed. So, you know, and the, the crazy thing was, is the money was still in the account. I mean, it was, it was just money that was just, you know, naturally accruing on my savings account. Like I didn't use it. I'm like, damn, I got to pay money on this. So just be wary of that. Okay. Cause right now, when at one point, you know, if it's at 1%, uh, for every, you know, $10 is 1% of, um, 10,000. So if you have $10,000 in your emergency fund, that's going to be you getting, $120 a year. If you get to put $120 a year on your taxes, that's going to be anywhere around, you know, 350 to $400, roughly speaking, that they might send send you a, send you a bill for in the mail. Okay. So you should save in a high yield savings account. That's the initial train of thought or the first recommendation. Now I was talking about, you know, beating interest and things like that, right. Or trying to get the highest interest rate from these banks. There is another train of thought where you have, you know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever you need to pay for your necessities. So essentially you have no more than one month saved for your bills or your expenses. So you have a one month emergency fund, anything else over that. So two plus months, right, for your emergency fund total, you would look to invest. I'm not an investment professional. This is for entertainment purposes only. I forgot to do the disclaimer. Don't don't come over here and do no wild stuff. Try to sue us or sue Jordan. You're not even here. This is entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research. Okay. But however, as I detract, if you want to quote unquote, right, beat inflation or get the most interest, you would obviously not choose a, a savings account or hide your savings account. You would use something like the stock market to your advantage. So there are some people who say, hey, keep a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars, whatever it is a couple racks like tops in you know your savings account, checking account, whatever to pay your bills and anything over that you should be investing because you want to have all your money working for you, right? Your dollars or your workers. And you want to have all your money working for you at all times. I personally think that that is a conversation. One, if you're going to do that, you either need to be a extremely well-versed in finances or be working with someone so that they can guide you through that process as far as if that actually makes sense for your financial situation. The three to six months for the high yield savings, that's something good for everybody. Your emergency fund is just for that. It's not to beat inflation and things like that. It's just cash you're parking there that's extremely liquid. And when you need to tap into it for emergencies, it's right there for you. You know, you're good. Obviously, if you put something in the stock market and say you put it in around September, October last year, even the beginning of this year, as far as 2022, you would have lost a whole bunch of money if you had it in something um, like a broad ETF like VU, uh, that's S&P 500 um, ETF for Vanguard or VTI, which is total stock market ETF for Vanguard. If you had one of those, you'd be down for this year, right? Depending on if you would, relatively speaking, if you would have put it in within the last year, okay? Obviously, if you had in your savings account, you'd be up. Right. But obviously, as time goes on, right, the stock market will recover. Right. BTI and VU. So then you will be having your money back. One of the issues with or another issue with putting in the stock market is not only that you have to deal with your, you know, losing your money, not just from inflation, but the market going down is you are going to have to create a taxable event to tap. Ooh, excuse me. Y'all, 
to tap into that money, right? You're going to have short-term or long-term capital gains. Real quick, short-term capital gains is anything, any gains you take that are less than three, 365 days or less. And long-term capital gains is 366 days or more, any gains that you take, okay? Real short, I'll do a whole nother, I'll do a whole episode on long-term and short-term capital gains and things like that. But in short, that's what short-term and long-term capital gains is. You are going to have to take create a taxable event to get the money out the stock market. That's how that's going to work. Okay, so you do have to be wary of that. Worry about creating a taxable event. And then you also are going to have to be worried about is it liquid enough for you is what I first mentioned. And for me, the main thing you should be looking for. There are going to be probably instead of, you know, essentially zero days, if it's right, you know, in your bank account where, you know, you're getting your direct deposit, right? If it's in the stock market, you're going to have to probably wait one or two business days to get that money you can make use of wires right which essentially transfer you the money the next day wires do come with a fee usually probably twenty dollars it all depends on who you're transferring um doing the wire with you do have to pay a fee for that but it does obviously expedite um how fast you're getting your money so those are the two things you have to worry about if you look at investing your money um and the, excuse me look at investing your emergency fund. look at investing your money look at investing your emergency fund in the stock market you would obviously put it in something very broad and conservative, right? Okay, you want something that is definitely going to make you money. That's why we talk about the S&P 500 type of index things or total stock market things. I would not, if you are going to put it, do not put it in a single stock, okay? That'd be, that's ultra risk right there. It's borderline gambling for something like your emergency fund. But if you want to put it in something um, like VU, right, an S&P 500 index, I have no issue with that. But like I said, you need to, be either well-versed in finances or you might not be listening to this right now or you're working with someone so that they can walk through the process with you and make sure all your p's and q's um are on point so that you can deal with oh snap here go my alarm that's crazy is it mess up there we got fix it back yo i forgot the audio is on my computer so this is the video that messed up regardless though you want to make sure that hey if you have your money invested, okay, in the stock market as far as your emergency fund, are you in that position where you have a lot of cash flow on a monthly basis? If you have a lot of cash flow on a monthly basis, let's say you make $10,000 for this example, and let's just say you got, even with your expenses and investing, things like that, your uh, post-tax investing, you're only spending, let's say, $4,000. You live crazy frugal, right? You house tax, something like that. So you got 60%, but not, not 60%. You got $6,000, right? You got more money left over than what you spend a month. Okay, you might want to, you might be okay investing in your emergency fund. But if you're in a situation where even if you have no debt, you just have the mortgage, you still only got, you know, 10 to 20% left over after you pay for everything, not if you just pay for your necessities and your mortgage, but after you pay for everything out of your budget, you probably aren't going to be in a position where you have enough cash flow to where you might not need to tap into your emergency fund. Because obviously, if something like your AC does go out, those things are in that $1,000, $2,000 range that do need to be fixed right away. You're probably going to have to tap into a little bit of your emergency fund, right, to pay for that, to compensate for what you don't have in your cash flow. But if you're in a situation, like I said, with a $10,000 income, you got six k left over, then yeah, you can pay for $1,000, $2,000 of your leftover. That's no issue. Okay, so you want to first assess where you're at financially if you want to take the investing in the stock market route. And then if you're in a situation where you got a lot of cash flow, you can look into um, investing it. Then I would also say uh, a third check you can do is as time goes on, 
as you build more wealth, your life gets more stable. So you're done having kids, right? You Not that there's ever a forever home, but as you sort of settled on where you're at, right? You know, what school district you're going to be in, things like that. As your life gets, quote unquote, more stable from a financial standpoint, you have less changes in your budget, right? You have, okay, we know what our, we got the 401k set up. We got the Roth IRAs. We got the 529s, custodial accounts. We have everything pretty much set up for our budget. We know our budget's not going to change that month. We got them vacations put in here, et cetera, et cetera. You're truly at a point where literally your expenses are not fixed from a dollar amount standpoint, but fixed as far as how many line items or how many things you can itemize. So you can sort of plan out, hey, how much are we going to be spending roughly a year as far as our yearly budget? Okay, then you're in a situation where every dollar that you make extra, you can look at investing it. So obviously you want to invest more, but then you can start looking at investing your money and you can even do a hybrid situation where you let's say you got six months. Right. And let's say it's twenty thousand dollars. You can invest 10 and, and then, you know, and then keep the other 10 in your high yield savings. At the end of the day, it's your money. It's not that big of a deal as far as if you invest your emergency fund or if you keep it in a high yield savings account, money market or just a regular savings account. It's not that big of a deal how much interest you you get on it. The main thing is, is that it's as liquid as that you need it to be. And that you understand and define what an emergency truly is. One of the main reasons people always get back into debt, a lot of people can pay off their debt as far as percentage wise. More people can pay off their debt. The issue is a small set of people can pay off their debt and stay out of it. And that main issue is that they struggle to build their emergency fund or when they do build it, they struggle to keep their emergency fund intact. So they have to still recognize they need to reduce the lifestyle right, that they're living, because the lifestyle you're living, even though you might be able to quote unquote afford it out of your monthly budget, it's just more naturally of a high risk budget. One of the reasons I say y'all need to wake up, go to work and stay home is that the more you go out, the more you travel, the more wear and tear you put on your car. So the more frequent that maintenance needs to be done and the more you're going to spend going out, all these things add up as far as how much money you're kicking out and when you're kicking it out. And when you're first starting your financial journey, your wealth building journey, you need to conserve as much as your resources or your finances as possible. Okay. And that, and in short, the way that manifests itself is, is just by doing less as far as the lifestyle. Okay. So that's it for the emergency fund. Again, what is an emergency fund? It's something that you use for emergencies. What is an emergency? When to use it? Emergency is really something when your insurance doesn't cover it or you have to compensate for it. Your your insurance doesn't cover it at all or your insurance, you know, covers half of it, you know, 60 percent, whatever it is. You got to compensate for the rest. If you need a new kitchen, that is not an emergency. If your car works fine, you need a new car. That's not an emergency. Okay, health issues is going to be the main, main thing that you're going to be tapping to your emergency fund or any type of um, utility issues with your house, right? Is, is the, roof, the roof's not a utility, but let's just call it, you know, you need, you need a roof. Let's just call it a utility for sake of this conversation, right? But if you have an electrical issue, a plumbing issue, right, that needs to be fixed right away, okay, obviously that, that constitutes as an emergency, especially if you have children, right? But other than that, for the most part, right, your kid want a new outfit for Halloween that you can't afford. It's not an emergency. Okay. A lot of the issue is y'all use <laughs> y'all tap into the emergency fund for things that are an emergency. And then when an emergency happens, your emergency fund isn't where it needs to be. Because always remember, and I'll this will be the last thing I say, whenever you use your emergency fund, let's say you got ten thousand dollars in there and you spend a thousand, right, to get the hot water fixed, right? You got uh, a very uh costly hot water heater. You have to put that thousand dollars right back into your emergency fund as if, you know, you you are aggressively paying off debt. You got to put the money right back. 
Okay, because that ten thousand dollars is to cover right whatever the emergency fund total is. It is to cover that large of an emergency fund um, expense. So if it is a you know ten thousand dollar one, you got ten thousand dollars saved for your emergency fund. I did forget to mention now. I'm thinking about it. If you lose your job, right, it covers three to six months of expenses. But I I mentioned this on the minimum wage episode. Your emergency fund, if you is three to six months of your expenses if you have no income. Okay. I you shouldn't have any no end not you should not not have any income by this. That double negative myself. You should always be bringing in some income, especially live in Maryland. Minimum wage is 1250. Just I'm gonna just insert the minimum wage episode here. I'm not gonna go over it. That's why I didn't mention it uh that here at all. But if you do happen to lose your job, you should, even though you have a reduction in income, your burn rate isn't going to be three to six months. So if your burn rate is $3,000 and you got six months, right? Say that's $18,000. And let's say, you know, you go from making, let's say you make $3,000 and then your income gets cut in half, you're making $1,800. Your burn rate isn't still going to be the $3,000 or it's going to be, excuse me, $1,500. It's going to be just $1,500 cause you, you have 1500 in income. So you only need to take $1,500 a month from your emergency fund. You don't need to take the full 3000. You still have some income coming in. So if you're in a situation where you have no income at all and you have no debt besides a mortgage and you have six months of emergency funding in place, the chances that all three of those things are occurring for six straight months where you have no job for six months, but yet you've managed to invest all this money and build all this savings, that's highly unlikely, if, if likely at all. Okay, if, as long as nothing happens to you from a medical standpoint, obviously something medical happens and that's a whole different scenario, right? But as long as you're healthy, go, go get another job, bro, sis. Like, goddamn. Okay, all right, that's it. Damn, I was gonna say locked and loaded. I wish I had it locked and loaded. All right, y'all, that's it for Wealth Wednesday. Second or second edition, I don't know, I'm gonna call these editions or installments. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly what I want to call them, but please remember to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube again. Recorded info effect on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. For my information, I'm Silent underscore Corey, and Jordan is Stop Stalling Jay, and his business page is Finally Fit. Please check out the show notes for all of information on pricing and things of that nature. Again, if you have anything that you want me to discuss, please reach out to me, leave a comment on any of the platforms, let me know, or DM me and let me know any topics you want me to talk about. Like I said, I am making a list of things to go over. And I did, I did, I did sort of good today, y'all. This is definitely gonna be under, you know, the last one was, last one was long, obviously longer than this one, but this one, you know, right around, this is right around 30 minutes, you know, intro, outro type thing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. But um, yeah, like I said, the student loan episode, student loan episode will probably be tomorrow because my guess is they are gonna drop it. Y'all, I wanna, I just wanna talk about it because I'm so excited. They talking about the 125K, they said per borrower, they didn't really, Say that's it's gonna be 250k if you marry y'all. If they just do 125k, like that's just a cutoff off of what you filed last year on your taxes or this year, however you want to look at it. Internet gonna internet's gonna be on fire. It's gonna be sort of like like if Drake, like like if, it's gonna be like if Rihanna dropped her album, but like and Drake Drake, it's been like everything that you can imagine happening at one time for the internet. That's what's gonna be like if they drop it. When not if they're gonna drop it, whether they push it back forgive it anything like that my guess is that they're definitely going to push it back to the beginning of next year january 1st or whatever the first business day is of next year i've always been saying that the forgiveness i think was what's been up in the air but the way these articles and headlines are coming out it looks like y'all going to get some type of forgiveness 
excuse me, but like I said, they watering it down or throttling it down to where they're going to put something on as far as income cap, like with the stimulus check. So now the question is who really gets the forgiveness? It's going to be very interesting. Okay. But all right, y'all, uh, that's all I got. Stay tuned for the student loan episode. I actually plan on going live for it when it drops. So I can just, so y'all can just see my reaction. As soon as the article drops, I plan on going live on YouTube and uh, just going over whatever the information is on forbearance, pause, forgiveness, cancellation, or restart. If they do a restart, I'm going to laugh so hard. Highly unlikely for a restart. But stay tuned for that, y'all. All right. So remember to save more and say less and keep making better your best. And I will catch y'all in the next one.